let's jump into the word, shall we? Ezra chapter 3, verse 8. Now the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem, the second month began. Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, the remnant of the brethren, the priests, and the Levites, and all they that were come out, the captivity unto Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. Then stood Jeshua with his sons and his brethren, Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together to set forward the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Henadad with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. And when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with the trumpets. That means they, they took off their Carhartt workwear and they put on church clothes. And the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, the king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising giving thanks unto the Lord because this means that they sang a chorus and repeat. So the, the band would shout out and then the congregation would respond. And here's what they said. Give thanks unto the Lord because He is good for His mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the temple was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people for the people shouted with a great shout or with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off. With God's help, I want to preach to you and hopefully a little bit of your help too. I want to preach to you on this subject. Shout through your tears. Shout through your tears. Jesus, we love you today. Pray God that you would be with us. Pray, God, that you would touch my mind, touch my body, Lord, that I would be able to communicate this word the way you have delivered it to me. I pray, Jesus, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church in this moment and in this hour. I pray, God, that you would be with us here today. Help us, Lord. Touch us by the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, that at the end of this service today, that we would experience a great outpouring of your Spirit. And that, God, we would leave this house and we would walk into church on Sunday full of victory, full of joy, and the power of the Holy Ghost. Be with us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. After 48 years of captivity, this is the time of the divided kingdom. When Judah and Benjamin were off doing their own thing and then the remaining 10 tribes of Israel were doing theirs, Judah had been in captivity for 48 years. And after 48 years, long years of captivity, Judah and Benjamin were finally allowed to go home and begin to rebuild their lives. King Nebuchadnezzar had conquered them, but now their new overlord was allowing them to pack their things and return. So these two tribes, 
returned to rebuild the nation that had been burned down and destroyed. And like a throwback to generations long past, they were back to living in an undeveloped land. It wasn't how they left it. It wasn't, it did not look like the way it was during its heyday. The homes were broken down. The walls were destroyed. They were still in rubble. And now they have found themselves back in their old land and their old home. But this old land is now inhabited by a new people who are not at all pleased. Not at all happy to see the tribes of Benjamin and Judah return. And our text finds them two years into their national recovery. Fifty years have passed since Jerusalem had burned. Fifty years since the elders among them had washed as Solomon's $8 billion temple, $8 billion palace for God had fallen at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar's armies. It had been 50 years since they had been led away in chains and weeping over the city of promise that had been destroyed, the city that served as their place of meeting with God and as the place of their sense of national purpose, of identity. And now in the second year, they find themselves on the most holy site for all of the Jewish religion, the Temple Mount. They're about to undertake a monumental task of national cultural and spiritual significance. And now about to rebuild the temple of God and the entire nation is mobilized. They've left. They've left their homes. They've left their farms. They've left the, the family homesteads that they were trying to rebuild and retake. And they find themselves in the center of Jerusalem on the temple mount. And they're working unified together. And after hours upon hours upon hours of back-breaking labor, the foundation was laid. And now with the slab laid, the temple mount, now that the foundation had been poured, the priests, they put down their chisels and hammers. They take off their Carhartt caps and their steel-toed boots and they break out their priestly robes and they bust out their church clothes and they warm up their lips and their trumpets and they dust off their cymbals and their organs and they gather the people together to praise the Lord just like they did when the temple was standing as was their ritual command. And they sang the song, the old song, that they always did when they gathered together in the house of the Lord. They said in verse 11, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good and His mercy endured forever. And the people began to cry along with them, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good and His mercy endured forever. And as the band played, and as the Levites sang, and as the children of Israel began to respond, in the middle of their worship service, there began to be a reverberation of praise. So much so that the singing gave way to shouting, and the music gave way to celebration. And verse 11 says that they shouted with a great shout. And can I put pause on the story here today and say that 
every time the people of God get together, it is good that we shout and it is good that we praise and we worship God. We ain't there yet. It is good that God's people gather together and give praise to God. At some point, the singing gave way to pandemonium as the people lost the lyrics. They lost their timing. They lost their beat. They lost the cute call in response. And they began as a nation with one voice to shout unto God. It was wild. They had church. They praised the Lord. Can I say again, every time God's people gather together, we need to celebrate. And we the hallmark of the apostolic church is that when we get together, there is a response of passion and worship and praise unto God. It would be a shame for the apostolic church in the Atlantic District to make its way through COVID and survive a pandemic but lose your shout. It would be a It would be a shame for you to survive a pandemic and lose the defining factor that made this district great. That when God's people gather together, we magnify the Lord. Praise God. I have made up my mind. I have made up my mind that no matter what, when we gather together there will be an outpouring of passion and celebration and praise to almighty God I gotta hurry on I gotta hurry on but what has captivated what has captivated a Hindu that came to our church a young adult from India a practicing Hindu come to the altar and lift her hands was not just the love of her friend who invited her but she was captivated by the passion that she saw in the house of God that was unlike anything she saw anywhere else what captivated What has captivated another young adult who spent years of her life entrenched in very dark new age and paganism was that when she came to the house of God, the power of Jesus was here and the power of Jesus is displayed and the atmosphere for his power to be received is displayed and it happens inside of our worship. I say it again. I do not want to make my way through a pandemic and lose my praise in the process. Praise God. They had church. It was dynamic. It was celebratory. But verse 12 interrupts the jubilation. It says, Many of the priests and the Levites and the chiefs of the fathers who were ancient men that seen the first house The foundation of this house was laid before their eyes. Wept with a loud voice. Threatening to disrupt the praise break. Threatening to disrupt the celebration. Were the loud and obvious sobs of those that remembered what the first temple Look like.
threatening to disrupt the celebration were the loud sobs of the elders within their community. Old men that remembered how the gold would glitter on Solomon's temple. Old men that remembered this $8 billion artifice that had been erected to God's glory. Seeing the foundation reminded them of what they had lost and how long it had been since they had been able to gather together like this. It could have been also tears of disappointment because they knew the, the, the future would not be as rosy as their memories of the past. After all of this work, after all of this time, after all of this faithfulness while in captivity, all they had to show for it was a slab on the ground. Tears because they knew that the work ahead was going to be so much harder now than it had ever been for them in the past. Back when Solomon's temple was being built, Solomon was calling in favors from people that wanted to be in with him. It was cool to be connected to Solomon. It was cool to be connected with Israel. And so he was calling in the cedars of Lebanon. He was calling in goldsmiths. He was calling in money that would be melted down to be laid over the items that were in the tabernacle but now it would not be the case because now they're surrounded by people that frankly don't want them there here they are in a city without walls surrounded by jealous enemies ready to pounce and take what they have built for themselves they found themselves in an unfriendly hostile cultural environment anybody building the bridge to maybe where we are today and life was now more difficult than it had ever been. They had so many reasons to cry. So they wept. They wept because they had cause to. They wept because they had reason to. Can I tell you that we all have so many reasons to cry. We all in this room have reasons to weep. I'm not talking about these men that wept that day as somehow to disparage them or somehow criticize them or somehow say that they do not have faith or they did not work hard. They were clearly at the temple working alongside of everybody else. I'm just saying that they began to weep and their weeping began to disrupt their worship and they had reason to cry that day. As do we. I'm not here to preach a happy-go-lucky message that you should deny your grief. You should deny your frustration. You should deny your sense of loss. That is not healthy. That is not good. Nor is it biblical. So many of the Psalms are laments. Prayers of grief. Prayers of hurting. Anxious and broken hearts. That are shouted up towards God. Because life is often hard. Life's hard. Our family has shed some tears. Around six years ago, my wife got cancer. And the only way to stop its spread was a surgery. That would mean that instead of having three children, we would only have one. Because the surgery meant that we no longer could have any more kids. 
We've wept as we've watched for the past eight years or more her mother struggle with stage four after stage four cancer diagnosis. First in her kidneys, then breast cancer, then spots on her liver, and then surgeries. And then in returning again, thankfully, right now she's in remission. Praise God. But for so many of us, life has been hard. And I remember being, I remember going to preach youth conventions as, I, as my wife was recovering from surgery. And six months later, she was awaiting the diagnosis of a second type of cancer that looked like had invaded her thyroid. And I remember going to my room after preaching faith to people and lying in the fetal position on the floor, crying out to God, saying, God, I'm so broken. Can you just give me a little bit more strength to get through another service? For so many, I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm just identifying with those in this room where for many of you, life has been hard. I have new converts in my church, refugees to Canada from a predominantly Muslim country that were baptized in Jesus' name. And then a few weeks later, her father dies. And we hit another lockdown, and she grieves alone in her apartment because she's not able to go and bury her dad back in her home country. And then to have the door open... And now she has to leave her husband because her husband cannot return back to that country for one reason or another. And now, now... She's stuck at home trying to reapply to get back into Canada so she can get back with her husband, back with her church after undoubtedly not broadcasting in a country where conversion can result in torture, imprisonment, or death. That she is no longer a follower of Allah, but a follower of Jesus. There have been so many tears and there is this pressure to toe the line. Do not express grief or remorse or frustration, or loss at the impact in the world and sadly at times in the church. There's pressure for it to be like the Lego movie all the time. You know what I mean? Where we all sing the song, everything is awesome. People are like, how you doing? And you know if you tell them how you're really doing, it's going to get awkward. So you go, great, but inside. You're broken. But you're not going to get that pressure from me. If the house of God and the people of God are not a safe place to unburden the brokenness and the hurt of your soul, where else? Because you're not going to find it in the world. You're not going to find it in sin. You're not going to find it in the culture. You're not going to get that pressure from me. Hallelujah. You're not going to find that pressure. You're not to fold fine, but to unburden your soul. I have spent time on the phone with people throughout this period pandemic, people who are lonely, people who are hurting, preaching out pastors who are stressed, people fighting depression and anxiety, the loneliness and loss beyond pandemic stresses, difficult childhoods, fragmented families, 
hurt and wounds and pain and divorce and sin. People, I'm preaching to people that have asked God this question this week. Why does it have to be so hard for me? Is it always going to be like this where you feel like you take one step forward and then two, possibly three steps back? I'm telling you, if you need to weep, weep. If you need to cry, cry. If you need to lament, lament. You will not get pressure in this house to do anything, anything not like that. They did, and God never, ever scolded them and rebuked them that day for their tears. But if we can throw verse 12 back up, it says, they lifted up their eyes. And they wept with a loud voice. And the New King James, as I believe it says, Yet many shouted aloud for joy. I want you to imagine the scene on the Jerusalem Temple Mount that day. There was this explosive worship because, yes, we get to do this again. And then there is tears because of the hostile cultural environment they find themselves in. But on the heels of their tears came another and dare I say deeper shout. In fact verse 13 it says so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people for the people shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off. In other words they shouted through their tears as they began to weep as they expressed their grief, at that moment, the collective mind of the worshipers made a choice to shout anyway that our sorrow over what we have lost, our pain over the struggle that we have been in will not steal our joy over what we do have and over what God is doing right now. So mingled with their frustration, mingled with their grief, Grief mixed with their tears came a shout of celebration to God and a spirit of praise so that you could not discern who was weeping and who was crying, who was shouting and who was rejoicing. My message tonight is simple. Like Judah and Benjamin, you have to decide. You must decide. You have to make a choice to shout. You've got to make a decision to choose worship and praise. They shouted over a temple, but our shout is not over a building. Our shout is over Jesus Christ and what he is doing in our midst. Our shout is over Jesus because we believe without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. We shout over Jesus because when we look to him, we see all the glory and power of God displayed. That in Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead. And we are complete, not in a perfect life, not in no circumstances, but we are complete in him. 
him who is the head over all principalities and over all powers, over all spiritual darkness in this world. We shout over Jesus that he's working and he's helping us. That he has not abandoned us in our struggle. That he has not abandoned us in our pain. See, here's what happens when you make a choice to shout. Psalm 47 says. Psalm 47 verse 1. Oh, clap your hands. Oh, ye people. And shout unto God with a voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is terrible. That doesn't mean that he's bad. Terrible is an old school word that, word that means that he has the ability to conquer. That he has the ability to triumph. That no matter what stands in the way of God or his people. That Jesus Christ, the Lord Almighty, is a great king over all the earth. See, when you make a choice to shout, you are not denying the struggle that you are in. You are not being a doe-eyed, dense and naive follower of Jesus Christ. You are making a declaration of faith that when you shout, you lift Jesus higher than all of the problems that you are facing. When you make a choice to shout, you are declaring that Jesus Christ has within him conquering power, that he is terrible, that he is terrible to the enemies that are against you and the forces of culture that are resisting actively the church and you are saying he is king of kings and you he is lord of lords verse 3 and verse 4 says he shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet he shall choose our inheritance for us the excellency of Jacob whom he loves, Selah. When you make a choice to rejoice and to shout and to sing, you lift him higher than all of the opposing forces. In fact, this is a messianic prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus would triumph and that Jesus would glory over the enemy and that the people of God would have hope as a result. When you worship and when you shout, you turn your eyes from the threats against you to the God who rules over all time all space and all seasons this is why we need to worship and for Judah they shouted because we made it this far all we have is an altar and a slab of rock but for 48 years we were captives in Babylon for 48 years we were slaves for 48 years we could not gather and worship together but now we're here and we made it out listen I'm pre I feel the Holy Ghost right now if you know how to pray in the spirit I need you to pray for us and I need you to pray for me there are so many people here that you are so stuck in where you have been living life has not been perfect and you've lost much and it's been hard but God has kept you and you're still here God has kept you and you still got faith left I'm not saying you where you you you're where you used to be. I'm not saying you're where you need to be, but I'm saying that you're here right now and you still got some faith left and he's still working on you. 
I'm not here. No offense to the American preachers that are coming to this country soon. But I am preaching this not as somebody that's been doing his own thing and living however he wanted for the past 18 months. I have been in the same boat that you have been in, facing lockdowns after lockdowns, where I have had my own struggle with worry and with depression and with isolation. And I know sometimes it's not comfortable to hear the guy holding the mic to admit that. But this has been the hardest season of ministry in my entire life. And I understand... I understand that the past 18 months or the past 24 months or forget COVID stuff, the past life that you have been living, you've struggled. Maybe you're here and you're not praying. You're not spiritual. You've made some mistakes. And maybe even young people, you've fallen. We're not here to talk about that right now. We're here to rejoice. We're not here to weep over what you've lost. We're not here to weep over what you don't have. We're not here to be guilty and feel guilty over the mistakes that we have made. We're here to celebrate that despite weather, despite all the things that the Canadian Apostolic Church has endured, you are still here. Hear me, the greatest worship that you'll ever give God is not on the other side of victory, but it's when you are in the fight. It's when you're in the battle. It's when you're fighting your own doubts. It's when you're fighting the enemy. It's when you're fighting loneliness and depression and you make a choice that says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise right now. I am calling the young people of the Atlantic District to close out this youth retreat with shout. Not because everything is perfect, but because you're still here. Sometimes. You need to shout, not because the giant is dead, but because you have survived with your faith intact. Sometimes the greatest praise that you'll offer up to God and the loudest song doesn't come when the enemies are laying dead at your feet, but when you have bruises in your soul and stress in your heart and you decide, Lord, I'm going to worship you anyway. Lord, I'm going to shout to you anyway. I don't know what the future holds but I'm going to praise you anyway and with tears in your eyes with hurt in your heart with pressure in a battle waiting you at home you say I love you Jesus and I worship you lift your hands to Jesus right now I got more to say but I feel a pause in my spirit. Come on, that's it. 
That's just some of you have been waiting for all this stuff to be gone before you gave God praise. Some of you have been waiting for the drama to cease. I'm preaching to youth pastors. I'm preaching to ministers even right now that your heart is low and you're saying, God, when all this is over, we will. When all this is over, we'll do. No, 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 no. Right now in the fight, you need to give them a shout of praise. Not because the beat is right, not because life is perfect, but because you've made a decision to worship by faith and to celebrate what you still have in the kingdom. I'm reaching for young adults that you fought and you suffered, but you're still here. Yeah, I need some people with a shout that says, Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. I may have fallen, but I shall rise. Come on, that's it. We are going to push this moment. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Ah, come on, let it rise. Let up, the music team's going to come in a moment. Some of you are going to have to do this at home because you're not going to be able to do it in church. Some of you have got to learn how to shout where there's no beat, where there's no band, and there's no great crowd. I had to in our fourth or third lockdown. I had to learn how to dance in front of my chair in my office and give God. That's where this message came from, and that is the word of God to you today. You've got to make a choice. Rejoicing is a choice. Celebration is a choice. Rejoicing and shouting and dancing is a choice. That's it. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. <laughs> come on. That's it. That's it. That's it. Band, come. Band, come. Hallelujah. 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 At the end of the day, Jesus will say, Well done, good and faithful. Not talented, not perfect, but faithful. Not successful in the world's eyes. Not successful pastor or youth pastor in the eyes of your peers. But well done, good and faithful servant. Pressed on every side. Temptation abounding. Danger all around. But you've been faithful with what God's given you. And God is not done. God is not through. God is not finished. Hear me. This place is getting ready to blow open in a second, but here's what the Holy Ghost dropped in my heart. Come on, that's it. 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 Maybe God's let us walk through this season so that our love of height would die and our desire for an authentic experience with the Holy Ghost would grow.
through your tears. Here's what the Holy Ghost. He said, you can cry over what you've lost. But make sure you shout over where you're going. Hear me. They made a choice. Yes, they wept over the fact that there had been some things that had eroded. Over some momentum that they had lost. But they made a choice at that moment to shout over what was to come. It's time for the apostolic church in Canada to move from grief to glory. And so on the tail of your tears, let there come a shout. Weep if you have to. Cry if you have to. But shout that God is not over. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy is coming in the morning because God is not finished. If you're weeping, sing. If you're lonely, rejoice. If you're depressed, shout. If you're broken, run the aisles. If you're stressed, dance for joy. Praise Him over where you're going. Praise Him that God's not done with the church. Praise Him for who He's going to fill with the Holy Ghost. You can weep over who you've lost in your youth group. Or you can shout over who God's going to save this month. Come on, that's it. I'm calling on some young people to make a choice to shout over the revival that will come, over the victories you will win, over the battles you will be victorious before they ever happen, before it takes place for you. Shout! And if you don't have that kind of faith, you need to shout that your home is in heaven, that some glad morning when this life is over, that the heavens will open and the trumpet of God will be blown and we're going to be with Jesus. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. some people to get ready to shout over the backsliders that will come home. I need some moms and dads to get ready to shout over your kids that are lost now, that the pandemic robbed them of their walk with God. But you believe by faith that they're going to walk through the doors of the church soon and they're going to pray back through to the Holy Ghost. guys ready in a second I'm going to read one psalm I got more stuff to say but I'll say it in a second it's time it's time it's time for this church this gathering of young people to rediscover what throw down apostolic praise and worship really is okay I understand tomorrow when you go, you may be in a situation where there's restrictions and you can't. So what you're going to do with this praise team is you're going to practice for Monday morning before you go to school where you're going to make a choice that you're going to worship and you're going to praise God. See, we have been conditioned to shout when all the battles are over. We have been conditioned to shout when life is better and life is good. But hear me, when I found out that we weren't going to have any more kids, I made a decision that I will bless the 
right now. And so we're going to worship, not because restrictions are lifted, not because pandemic is over, not because life is now easy, but we're going to make a choice to shout because of what we will believe by faith the Holy Ghost is going to do. So here's your marching orders. I'm going to read this song, and then I want you to position yourself to worship. If you need to get some room, you need to get some room. Because the Holy Ghost is about to... We're going to worship first. And then the Spirit of God will visit us, okay? It's going to feel tight and awkward at the beginning because maybe it's been a while since you've done this. But I promise you, if you'll push yourself just a little bit, we're about to have a visitation of the Holy Ghost. We're about to have a visitation of the supernatural power of God. You ready? Here's what we got to do. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Verse 4. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. And into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endures to all generations. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to give thanks. We are going to praise. We are going to shout. And we are going to sing. So what we're going to do right now, I feel the Holy Ghost. As I want you to lift your hands and I'm going to pray a prayer of faith. I'm going to pray that God would give you eyes to see what He is going to do in you, even though you're in the battle now. And then when I say in the name of Jesus, I command you to worship. This band's going to kick it in. And you're going to explode with praise. And then the Holy Ghost is going to descend. Are we ready? By the authority of the Word of God. By the blood that was shed on Calvary. I speak against the lies that the enemy has sown into the minds of young people. Lord, that has tried to erode faith and erode joy and erode worship. And God, I loose the joy of the Holy Ghost that is our strength. I loose the power of the Spirit that restores and renews and rebuilds. And I command you right now to be renewed in faith, to be renewed in vision, to be renewed in hope, and to be renewed in joy. And I loose you to worship God. And I command you to give Him praise right now. Get ready in Jesus' name. Worship the